You are Locked On A's. Your daily Oakland A's podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. It's time for Locked On A's. Stepping to the mic, it's your host, Jason Burke. How's it going, A's fans? And welcome to episode 345 of the Locked On A's podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, noted baseball fan, Jason Burke. And on today's episode, I have, wait for it, Dan Wilson is joining the show. We're talking about the Phillies a little bit uh, and how it relates to the A's because the A's bullpen has been terrible. The Phillies, notably, had a really bad bullpen last season. So we're going to figure out how to get through this stretch of badness for the A's because uh, it has not been fun. So Dan, welcome to the program. How are you doing today, man? Jason, how's it going? Uh, Going coast to coast on the Locked On Network here. Love to see it. Uh, And I'm happy to provide therapy, assistance, or whatever else you or any other uh, members of Oakland A's Nation may need to to get through this difficult time because believe me, I've seen some bad ones. It, it is not been fun. Big, it, one guy is keeping the A's out of the playoffs right now, and they keep giving him the ball for some reason, and I don't understand it. But we'll get into that a little bit here in the second segment. Real quick, just nice icebreaker question. Santa Claus, villain or hero, what are your takes uh, being a Philly person? Uh, this is such a such a basic <laughs> question that's been asked for 50 years here. In it has been. It, no, I know. It, it, so, is he a villain or a hero? I, I've, look, he's he's obviously a hero. I grew up and continue to be Jewish, so maybe not the hero to me that he is to others. But he is a hero. He was he was booed and had snowballs thrown at him in a game in the '60s. For those who somehow don't know the story, there were snow. People were frustrated with the team. The real Santa Claus didn't even show up. They took some poor guy out of the stands and put him out there. It's just. Every single year when the Eagles play on national television, it's told. It's the go-to story for why Philadelphia fans are just the worst. It was a cold, <laughs> dreary day in the Northeast. No one, it, hardly anyone, I mean, not alive because my parents were alive, but hardly anyone who was at that game is still like actively rooting for the team or who threw snowballs. Many of them are not still with us here today. Uh, he, look, he's a hero. I, I'd like to think that, Philadelphia sports fandom has gone past that, but it's it's a just a prime example of a story living on way longer than it should. I mean, it's kind of like the Jeter flip play. It every time the A's are on national TV, which is like once maybe during the regular season, and then every playoff game, it's like, hey, remember that time that Jeter? Yeah, well, he's going to the he... Hall of Fame. What tomorrow? So prepare yeah. to see it uh, a lot more this week. Uh, the I'll say local, I guess uh, the San Francisco Chronicle wrote a a whole retrospective on the play, which is fun. And they're like, yeah, Brandon Crawford, the giant shortstop remembers it. And I'm like, that's wonderful. Let's talk about it again, because Giambi was safe. It doesn't matter. Let's focus on that aspect as opposed to what Jeter was doing there. Sure, he was called. Well, imagine the Jeter flip play living on like 40 years from now, because that's the same thing as the snowball. I mean, there are even (laughs) more recent examples of fans acting up in all cities. Like, I'm not going to defend sports fandom here in Philadelphia. It is. It can be 
pretty rough. Philadelphia fans are known for booing and getting on their own, but the the whole snowball booing at Santa Claus thing seems some, like some. I'm not defending it, but it seemed based upon circumstance, and I can't believe that's still the go-to story. The fact that I was born... <laughs> what, more than 30 years after it happened, something like that, and I'm still very well-versed in it. Uh, but it is kind of funny because, like, a few years ago, the Eagles and one of their promotional videos online poked fun at it. It's just become, the, like, where Santa and the Snowball are now, like, years later, they're making up for it and they're hashing out their differences. So some humor has come out of it, but it, it is kind of funny. But, look, maybe I got two on you for the uh, initial question. It's just one of the <laughs> This is going to be a heck of an episode. (laughs) So Santa Claus hero, Philadelphia heroes, maybe? I don't know. Maybe we'll have to get into that on a future episode. But I do want to ask real quick, what is it like to sign a big name free agent? Is it as fun as it sounds? I am currently, I do this for a lot of crossovers, but they haven't been on YouTube. I am wearing my Phillies jersey. It's a Bryce Harper jersey. Love that guy. Got the red pennies on. I don't know if that's a, a term that you guys use, red pennies, but I'm probably never going to say that again. So may as well. Red, well, oh, the, oh, like red pinstripes. I got. Yes. When I hear penny, <laughs> I think of like you know you're in like gym class or camp or something, and a way to distinguish the two teams, like a mesh jersey that you put on. But uh, okay, okay, pinstripes. Okay. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what is that like? Deciding like? like that? Yeah. Well, at first it was electric. I still remember exactly where I was when that news came out. Uh, I was actually sitting in class uh, with a professor who did not allow us to use cell phones in class, which is probably better for the productivity of the class, but kind of sent me into a frenzy when, you know, everyone in the world who maybe you don't even talk to that much in group chats who are super into baseball, but people who know you're into baseball and We'll reach out just periodically, and you have Twitter notifications and everything else. I think he signed, I think that class was 2 to 3.20, Tuesday and Thursday. I believe he signed on a Thursday. I remember the date. It was February 28th, 2019. And he signed in the middle of the class, and I wasn't on my phone for like 30 to 40 minutes. And I came out and like a 1,000 text messages, 5 billion Twitter notifications. (laughs) And, you know, you quickly sort through and figure out what's going on. You're trying to react to people back. I can't believe we got him because that had been a really long winter. You remember Harper and Machado taking their sweet old time deciding where they wanted to go. At certain points, it seemed like they weren't even going to sign by the start of spring training. Pitchers and catchers had been reporting. I think they might have already played a game or they'd been playing a game or two. Uh, I think they were in the middle of one of their opening spring training games and Gabe Kapler, who was the manager of the Phillies at the time, now the manager uh, out in the Bay Area for the Giants. One of the fans actually broke him the news. Like he had to have known that something might have been coming, but they actually finalized the deal. And someone was like, "Hey, you guys got Bryce," and it was like announcing the deal to him. It was kind of funny to hear him retell that story later. So, what it was like is in that particular case, it was a long off season that finally resulted in something great, and the interest level in the Phillies that spring training. And I, I was actually at his spring training debut. I had the trip planned. Uh, coinciding with my spring break at the time already. And his my last day on the trip happened to be his first game. He got a few at-bats. That was a one of the most electric, not that I've been to a ton of spring training games, but it had to be one of the most electric spring training atmospheres that 
probably has ever existed down there in Clearwater, Florida. They got Brian Dawkins, of course, the Eagles legend to like introduce him because I think he lives down in the area at least part of the year. So that was really cool to see. So the honeymoon phase of it w- was absolutely great. And the opening weekend, I remember being there. I was in attendance for his first home run. They were playing the Braves the first weekend of the year. And the second game of the year was a Saturday. He rips a second deck home run. And the place goes nuts. And then I was there the next night on Sunday Night Baseball, and he hits another home run, and the place goes nuts. And you saw a city care about baseball in a way that they hadn't cared about in a really long time. Remember, this Phillies team has not been to the playoffs since 2011, still hasn't. Mm-hmm. And the season, you know, went along, and a little bit, people are just coming. Everyone needs to get a piece of the action of this guy who used to come in as an opposing player and get booed per Philadelphia tradition is now a hero because he physically chose to come to Philadelphia. Obviously the money and the number of years has something to do with it, but you'd like to think that he could have gone a number of different places and gotten that kind of money or gotten enough money to combine that with a place where he really expects to win for the rest of his career. And he'd been with the nationals who kept falling short and then an extra chip gets added on his shoulder when of course they win the world series the first year he leaves. So the honeymoon season, that first season was nuts a lot of people who didn't seem to care about baseball that much during the poor years uh, started coming out. People who were just Bryce Harper fans by themselves. You know, we live in an era where players' personal brands sometimes exceed the brand of the actual team. So that was really cool. Now, of course, they don't make the playoffs. And then last year in his second season, no one could go out to the ballpark and they missed the playoffs and expanded the year. And I know we're going to get into some of those reasons why and how bad the bullpen was. But that does start to off. Now, watching him again this year, he's the best attraction the Phillies have on the team by far. He's in the running to win the National League MVP. I mean, Fernando Tatis will likely have something to say about that. They've both missed time. I think Tatis has just been, you know, there's been more frequent IL stints. But when you actually break down the amount of games they missed on their production level, I think Tatis ultimately still gets that. But still, to have a guy who is in the conversation as much as he is, uh, is something that we have not seen here in Philadelphia for a very long time. And he's as much of a reason as any that, despite all the struggles that this Phillies team has had, we're sitting here on September 7th, and they're two game, or they're a game and a half, actually, out of the National League East. So it's really, really cool. It was really cool when it happened there. I'm not going to say he hasn't gone through his struggles. And with that kind of contract comes a lot of attention to detail and people are every time you don't come through in a big spot, you know, Philly fans will let you know. And it's not, not just a Philadelphia thing. When Stanton struggles or judge struggles up in New York, they get booed. If a player like that, you know, is struggling in Boston or any city that really care, like Chicago, uh, they'll really care. You saw what happened with the Mets earlier this month where they're <laughs> essentially booing back their own fans. And it actually seemed to spark a winning streak here. But it is really cool to see that guy at the ballpark every single day. Uh, it is really cool that, I mean, he is having the season that he's having. A lot of criticism comes from it locally. I've been to a few away games uh, in Boston and New York and D.C. since he's been on the team. And the guy gets booed everywhere he goes, which, you know, go to the old saying, they don't boo nobodies. So mm-hmm. there are times where he's gone through stretches where he does not live up that contract. And I'm sure by the end of the contract, he won't. But. They signed them to try and coincide with building a winner right here, right now. So overall, at least for now, it's certainly a positive that gives a boost to the team and certainly the interest level in the team, both locally and around the country. We're going to get into some stats here real quick, but uh, did you know that 85% of people who play daily fantasy sports lose? 
I am one of those people. But is it really that surprising? The game is rigged against you. You're playing against thousands of other lineups, not to mention experts who have more tools and more time. You don't stand a chance. Introducing Stat Hero. It's the first ever daily fantasy sportsbook that puts the player in control and winning within reach. Here's how it works. Stat Hero shows you their lineups and dares you to beat them. It's you versus the house in a head-to-head daily fantasy matchup. You name the stakes, winner takes all. You have the advantage, and Stat Hero is showing you their lineups ahead of time, and nobody else does that. It sounds like a great time. Have you have you used Stat Hero before, Dan? I have not. I have been, you know, I, I've know people who have i'm not as big into the whole i've done i've dabbled in daily fantasy i have dabbled in but it certainly sounds like a cool idea i have to get back into it because this is just a phenomenal idea i guess because as you mentioned 85 percent of the people lose in other realms and it seems like the odds are stacked against you so stat hero certainly seems like the way to go and with football season coming back which is really a good like i'm invested in my daily or my dynasty fantasy baseball league but with football coming back. Yeah. It's definitely the way to go. Uh, that's with the, that that's the daily go-to for me is for football, sure. Yeah, for sure. It, it's way more, pre- not predictable, but it's not like, ah, oh, what's the weather like in that game? It doesn't necessarily matter as much in football as it does in baseball, but the week to week. week. Wanna, yeah. If you want to do some of this stat hero stuff, all you got to do is go to stathero.com slash locked on and sign up for free right now. And you can get three times back on your first play. They're giving you a 300% match. That is unheard of. So go to stathero.com slash locked on. That is stathero.com slash locked on. And with that, welcome back to the Locked On Ace podcast. If you guys are enjoying the show, make sure to subscribe wherever you like to hear podcasts. Follow us on social media at Locked On A's on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at by Jason B on Twitter and in the Spotify green room app. If you guys have any questions for us, please send those to LockedOnAthletics at gmail.com. For the audio listeners, Dan, where can people find you? Yeah, so you can find me at Locked On, or on Locked On Phillies. That's on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, the Odyssey app, just like you find Locked On A's. And of course, you can follow along with the podcast on Twitter, my personal handle, which is you can be found here uh, on the visual, but not on audio, which is at Dan underscore Wilson Four, as well as on Twitter for the podcast at LO underscore Phillies. So let's move on to last year. We've talked about this year. Last year, the Phillies had a 706 bullpen ERA in the shortened COVID season. How did you survive each night? How were you still with us? Because that had to be rough. The A's have a 750 ERA since August 21st. It's the worst in baseball by a full run. It's been terrible, but uh, this is not quite as the A's stretch right now is not quite as long as the 2020 season for the Phillies. Do you have any tips for getting through it night tonight? Uh, what What do you do? Is it just get a big lead and then hope for the best? What What, what did you? What was your experience? I guess. Yeah, uh, alcohol might be the best way to. <laughs> What's your favorite drink? What's your I'm, I'm drink? <laughs> yeah, if if you drink and you're of age, and you know that that might be the best way to go. No, I, I that was a joke, obviously. I <laughs> the best way to get through it. I mean, it was a 60 game season last year, but it felt all of 162. I mean, no lead. I mean, no lead was safe. And I my go to game was when they had a seven nothing lead in a seven inning game in Buffalo against the Blue Jays. And they oh, found a way yeah. to blow that game. Like it was ridiculous the ways that they would just 
cough away leads last year. And again, the offense was top five in baseball. It hasn't even been nearly that good this year. So it's just incredibly frustrating. Uh, you're, you never walk away from the TV, I'll tell you that. Like, you're up five, six, nothing. You are hanging in until the very end. You're not like, ah, oh, well, the Phillies, or in your case, the A's have this one tonight. How do you deal with it? I don't know, over 162 games, it is brutal. Uh, there's no real good way to deal with it. You have to have a lot of patience and be a, a masochist of sorts because otherwise you're just going to be fed up and just lose all belief with this team. I, I was going to flip the question of, because I always look at the A's historically as a very progressive organization. They oftentimes do more with less. They have a low payroll. You know, what's the vibe around how much because we see this a lot right where when bullpens blow games is it bob melvin going to the wrong guys is it the pitchers themselves just all forgetting how to pitch because last year i've been very critical of joe girardi this year but last year it seemed like no matter who he turned to there just was no viable answer and that's really the most helpless feeling i'm sure as a manager but even just as a an observer watching it like you don't feel like there's anyone they could feasibly go to where you're confident that they're going to get out without allowing a floodgate's worth of runs. There have been two sentiments on Twitter of late. Uh, I'll get into those here in just one sec, but I, on Friday, the A's blew a six run lead in the eighth inning against the Toronto Blue Jays. So I know your pain. The comeback um, hit, and, then, and then they yeah. gave up three more. So I guess they gave up nine runs in one actual inning pitched. Uh, so that was that was fun. They they should have won that game. Uh, but what, to your question, um, the, the basic sentiment on Twitter is either fire the entire bullpen into the sun or fire Bob Melvin, uh, which is something that I find silly because he's been really good for a really long time. Um, and so for those two thoughts to coexist, there's definitely a push and pull on which one is actually uh, at fault right now. And for me, I think that it's you can't really rely on anybody. So who are you actually going to be going to? Because Lou Trevino, who's been the closer for the entirety of the season and was really good up until August 21st, uh, he's just fallen apart. He's got like a 30 ERA in his last five appearances, which is like three and a third. Uh, not great. And everybody else has been kind of okay. Sergio Romo had been really, really good. He's starting to falter a little bit more. I think the guys are just starting to get tired after, you know, pitching last season, the shortened season, and then going into this year and the A's rotation has been faltering a little bit more. So they're being asked to do more in the bullpen. So it's a lot of different things mixed together right now. And uh, you're hoping that they, they figure it out because you were mentioning before we started recording, the A's actually have a decent bullpen ERA over the course of the season. But right now everybody's tired and they have the worst bullpen over the last two, three weeks. So it, it's tough to say who's necessarily at fault. It's just hopefully the starters go seven, eight, nine innings, and then you don't have to worry about it. That's what I'm hoping for, because if they keep giving us four or five, then it's just asking for trouble each and every time, and that that's just not fun. But you know what does sound familiar, though, is you've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all of that entertainment that you love 
without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there is no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. And this episode is also brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local auto parts store to stock all of the parts that you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. And the main reason that I go to Rock Auto is because I can save time and money. Why choose to spend 30, 50, or even 100% more on the same parts from a car store or from a car dealership or a chain store? It, and Rock Auto is a family business. Who doesn't love a good family business? And they've been serving do-it-yourselfers online for 20 years. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all of the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Box? And let them know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. And so with that, welcome back to the Locked On Ace podcast. If you guys are enjoying the show again, subscribe to our YouTube page. If you're already on YouTube with us, thank you. You guys are early adopters. Always appreciate the early ones. Uh, I'm joined by Dan Wilson. Dan, where can people find you? Yeah, on Twitter at Dan underscore Wilson four. Uh, Locked On Phillies, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, Odyssey app, uh, as well as the podcast on Twitter at LO underscore Phillies. I like it. it. Dan's a good follow too. You you gotta you gotta check him out on on the tweets. All right. So last thing for you guys for you. Yeah. Um, football season starting up. Eagles win prediction. How how many games they win in this year? Yeah, I'm at seven and ten right now. Okay. So it is my official. I could see them getting to eight. I think their over under, depending on where you look, is about seven and a half. I think that's pretty accurate. We don't know a lot about this team. Like this is. Not that anyone really knows what they're doing when they make preseason NFL predictions because there's injuries and teams yeah. on the schedule who become way better or way worse than you thought, right? But if you went around the league, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find a team where people truly have less of a clue in predicting the record than the Philadelphia Eagles. Quarterback who's played like four, not even four full games in the NFL. Took over for Carson Wentz in December last year. Coach who's never been a head coach in the NFL, and Nick Sirianni he was the offensive coordinator in Indianapolis. And the only impression we have of him locally are his press conferences from training camp in the preseason. Those are the two biggest roles on the team. I think the lines look pretty good. You hope they can stay healthy. There's a lot of older guys there. You've Devontae Smith, your first round pick. You don't know what he's going to get out of your regular season. You hope that didn't seem like a guy like Zach Ertz, you know, who's going to break. I, by the way, like he's been a tight end for this team for so long. He's going to break the all-time receptions record. I think with twenty with his 29th reception, he's 28 behind Harold Carmichael. So I think there can be some exciting points of this season. I don't think they're ready to win yet. I think this is kind of a similar situation that the team entered in 2016 when Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson both started in their first year. But I'm excited for football season. I mean, it's exciting. It's once a week. It's an event every time. 
the Eagles play, especially in Philly, because, you know, it's just like an Eagles town. People live and die with that team, even more so than the other teams. So I'm excited for it. I'm a, I don't know how well, like, <laughs> it was funny. I was on the radio here in WIP here in Philly last night, and we were going, I was doing, the guy I was doing the show with, I was producing for him. And the point of the show was, he's like, every show does the predictions. And I have shows later this week, and we'll do the predictions thing. But I want to guarantee that you're going to have uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles this season. I gave two two guarantees. I don't know. I'm kind of still out on Jalen Hurts. I think he can be good. I think he, the guy has a lot of confidence. I think he's a breath of fresh air from Carson Wentz, who seemed to not get his way and just wanted out of the organization. Jalen Hurts seems to be a guy, you know, he's got all his little cliches guy was clearly a coach's kid growing up because you know he says stuff like rents due every day or you know just hard work pays <laughs> off stuff like that. like he, that guy clearly like i would not be surprised if we hear stories about how his dad made him throw like 100 balls through the tire before he was allowed to eat dinner kind of thing like that guy is discipline and hard work to the court now we'll see how that translates to being an nfl quarterback but i think he has the mindset and i think he has the mental stamina and capacity and toughness to play quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles, which is clearly not a, a job that everyone's mentally equipped to handle. How he does physically talent-wise, we'll see. But my two, my two not predictions, but guarantees, rather, were that Gardner Minshew, who was traded for by the Eagles, who's now the second round, uh, he's currently the third-string quarterback. I think eventually, once he learns the playbook more and as time goes on, if they're actually forced to put someone in the game, He'll jump ahead of Joe Flacco because he stinks now, even though he's a local guy and he's well-liked. I don't think he's going to be the second-string guy. My, but not my bold prediction, I keep saying that. Guarantee is that Gardner Minshew will start probably at least one to two games for this team. Uh, I'm looking at a running quarterback, mobile guy. Michael Vick never played 16. He played 16 games, started 16 games in his career only once. Typically mobile quarterbacks. Do not make it through the entire season. They added a game. This is a young guy in Jalen Hurts who has something to prove. So I'm looking at this situation and saying, you know, he'll probably not protect himself all that well. The one preseason game he played, he kind of just dove instead of taking the smart slide and like falling back a yard. That's how Carson Wentz got hurt in his second year. Typically, young quarterbacks aren't smart enough to protect themselves. They're just all about, you know, getting the yardage. So. He'll probably get hurt at some point. Minshew will probably have to step in for a few games. And the other thing is, I think Nick Sirianni, I don't know how familiar you are with him, but this guy is like, if you were casting a football coach for a movie, like that's what he is. Like just ready to like <laughs> always compete with someone. He apparently plays guys one-on-one, rock, paper, scissors in the locker room. Like he's just ready to go at all times. He's fired up. He, he gets super fired up in his press conferences. There's going to be rookie mistakes. I don't know what this it's going to look like when he's actually game planning and maybe he won't maybe he will maybe he won't be good as a coach but i think ultimately he's going to be well liked by the end of the year no one's going to be calling for his head after year one uh, to loop it back to the you know vicious philadelphia sports fan thing that we started this podcast with i like it a lot yeah. um who, who are you yeah. for are you 49ers or like the Raiders moved to I, Vegas. I grew up a Niners fan because the Raiders were, you know, uh, down south in L.A. at the time. And I don't like the Niners anymore. I don't know why. I, I so tried you have rooting team? for the Raiders. A fantasy guy? Like what, what, what's going I've on I've been mostly a fantasy guy. Uh, okay. This year, I, I kind of took a couple of years off from really watching football every Sunday. And now I'm like, no, I, I'm coming back. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. 
And now uh, I, for some reason, am rooting for the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, partially because they got Trevor Lawrence. At, Trevor Lawrence. Back, okay. And I was like, hey, it, I, I like rebuilding. I, I like getting to know. You're going to jump on now. Good. So whenever else yeah. jumps on later, you can yeah. say I've been here since the start. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That That's kind of what you do. <laughs> and so I'm going with that. And also, uh, I really like AEW wrestling. And they're the guy that started that promotion uh, also owns the Jags. So, hey, why not? Cross-branding right there for you. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So you're a big red zone guy on, on weekend and stuff like that. Probably. I thoroughly, uh, when I had it, yes. I don't think I do. I have Hulu. I don't think I have it anymore. But when I had okay. cable, it was amazing. It was um, amazing. So, yeah, I'll be, uh, you know, seeing That's, how I can the watch the Jags Coast, game. Man, like, foot, football starts at 10 a.m. Like, Yeah. Know, it's not that bad. It, it's, I mean... I was on the East Coast uh, in D.C. two, three weeks ago, and it was wild. I'm like, guys, game started at 10, and I'm, but we were, like, traveling and doing a bunch of stuff. I'm like, yeah. I'm exhausted at, like, 10, 15. I need to it's go. like, to oh, bed. A's first pitch coming at you, yeah. <laughs> uh, so that was fun. They, the A's were in Texas that week, so it wasn't that bad for them. Oh, so it's Still only started, hour, you know, yeah. regular hours and whatnot. So I was like, okay, this isn't too bad. But, uh, oh, man, those, those West Coast games were not – a good time if i got like if i lived there and i was on like my regular schedule no problem whatsoever but uh walking around when it's like 95 with like 80 percent humidity all day yeah i was so tired <laughs> 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 all right well uh that is all that i got for you today and that is all that we got for you guys on locked on a's today so until next time go out and celebrate good times oakland and i will talk at you tomorrow